podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are recapping a much more disappointing than I was hoping it would be a game against Oklahoma State for the Jayhawks. Uh, they went down to Stillwater and got absolutely blasted 55-3. to Not that it was necessarily super unexpected, but definitely disappointing. To help me kind of talk about this and what we might be able to take out of this game, as he usually does on Monday, it's Mike Plank, the editor-in-chief over at Rock Chalk Talk. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, Andy. How you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. As long as we are recording this Monday night, so as long as the Chiefs don't go out and lay a stinker against the Giants, I think I'll have survived the weekend and be just fine. <laughs> because, like I said, we always thought that this was a distinct possibility. And, and you know, to be completely honest, this was the game we were expecting to have last week as well, with Kansas getting absolutely obliterated. So, um, sure, you know, it's it's not that this was super unexpected. It's obviously still disappointing because you would have liked them to be competitive and actually shown something on offense, but. Um, it's not all that surprising that they weren't able to. So before we get into, you know, just how bad it was and all that fun stuff and like, what this means moving forward and, you know, what we expect, I, I do want to ask you, was there anything at all from that game that you came away, you know, feeling okay about or feeling or even somewhat impressed by? <laughs> no. <laughs> there was, uh, there's not, a, there's well, not really a lot was, to get into. It's just... Such a bad performance all the way around. I mean, Miles Kendrick led the team in passing with 34 yards. Like, oh, no, no, no. And he led the team in rushing with 32 yards. That's how bad right, it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's exactly where I was going. Like, it, the offense was bad. The defense was possibly even worse. And, um, I mean, yay, we made a field goal, I guess. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's it's a, it's a throwaway game. And, and we've kind of talked about it, I think, before Andy and I have about, this being year zero and the expectations being so low. And, um, and I kind of talked about it last week too, after the Oklahoma game where, you know, Kansas has a game like Oklahoma every year, only it's usually not against Oklahoma, right? It's usually against TCU or Iowa state or Texas tech or somebody like that. Um, So we were thinking maybe it could be different since it was against Oklahoma this time, but it wasn't any different. It was just uh, a, a random competitive game in the conference and we're back to being, you know, KU again. And, and again, like we've talked about year zero, Leipold's been on campus just over six months. Like uh, this, this was a throwaway year and this is a throwaway game. So, and I hate to use the phrase throwaway year. Like they're still, they're still installing offense and installing defense and trying to develop the roster and trying to recruit. It's, it's not a throwaway, but in terms of wins and losses, it's a throwaway year. Like you, we didn't expect to win very many games this year. Yeah, I, I I would use the term remedial year. Like this is the year, you know, where you have to like go to a year of prep school coming out of, of high school because you didn't get all the credits that you needed to so you can go graduate and hopefully be able to actually go to college the next year. Like this is, we knew that there were significant problems. We knew that this was going to be an issue. And, you know, with when Leipold came in, obviously, like we talked about this, you know, <laughs> like, like you said, we knew that there wasn't any kind of expectation of Kansas was going to be super competitive in most of their games or anything like that. It was a matter of, you know, can they get more than one of those games where they jump up and really surprise someone and and show how competitive they are and show that progress. You know, we talked about this last week and I talked about it on the, on the preview that I had with Cade Webb coming on, you know, like this was like absolutely best case scenario was that Oklahoma state scored, you know, in the low forties and Kansas got, 
you know, some some uh, some early surprise offensive possessions that they scored on, maybe got a special teams touchdown and somehow managed to squeak into the 20s. Like that was absolute best case scenario of what I saw could happen. So we, you're still talking about a 25 point loss, you know, like expectation there. So, yes, this was bad. A 52 point loss is definitely not ideal at all. But we knew that there were significant issues and we knew that Oklahoma State was set up to be able to really take advantage of those and cause a lot of problems for Kansas. You know, this is this is a game that I was fully expecting and had braced myself for and just kept trying to convince myself that it wouldn't be as bad or it wouldn't feel as bad if it actually came. Um, and, and obviously it sucked. It was horrible. Um, there was a little bit of a, a firestorm brewing over on Twitter afterwards, and I got a lot of responses from you guys, a lot of, uh, you know, additional points to, to bring up at that point. We will actually do that after the break. Um, I don't want to subject Mike to the bickering back and forth. Um, you know, while I'm actually just reading a bunch of stuff out from Twitter. So, but we will kind of talk about the rest of the game. There were two, two, well, three bright spots, I thought, on the defense. And it was just individual players, the way that they played. Kenny Logan Jr. had an absolute phenomenal game, given what he was dealing with. He literally had no help at all in the secondary. There was nobody back there helping him at all. Um, you know, every time that he was in on a play, he made a big play. He had a couple big stops on runs. You know, he hit a, he hit or had some big hits and really kind of, you know, laid out a few guys. He ended up leaving in the third quarter injured. And, and I'm guessing that they shut him down at that point. Cause I don't remember seeing him after that, but I'll be honest. I wasn't paying a super lot of attention and the game was at a point where it didn't really matter if he came back in or not. Anyway, um, you know, other guys that kind of jumped out to me, Kyron Johnson had some really good QB hurries early in the game. And again, was getting in the backfield quite a bit, but with nobody else, you know, being able to get any kind of pressure at all, it was easy to, you know, kind of shoehorn him into one little spot on the field and Spencer Sanders could roll off to the other side. So he was doing what he needed to do. Um, you know, Gavin Potter had a few big plays, had, had some some fairly good plays, but the problem again, you know, there just wasn't enough from anybody um, scheme-wise to really kind of shut down anything that Oklahoma State was trying to do. So for all the, you know, for, for any of the players that played okay on any particular play, there was a guy that was absolutely missing an assignment or just being absolutely horrible or getting run by or something. And so it was really easy for Oklahoma State to just kind of pick apart whatever they wanted out of that defense. Um, again, not entirely unexpected, but definitely disappointing. Um, kind of flipping over to the other side, you know, is it is it time, Mike, I really want your thoughts. Is it time to rethink if Jason Bean is the guy moving forward? Stop it. No, it's not time. Um, no, it's not time. He was, he was great against Oklahoma and, you know, and he was, uh, really good against Duke. And I mean, he's had, he's got the ability, maybe we need to work on the decision making a little bit. Uh, and Oklahoma state is either the best or the second best defense in the big 12. I mean, this is going to be a tall task for, for Kansas regardless. I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. I assume Oklahoma has more talent in terms of like recruiting rankings. Um, but I mean, o- Oklahoma State just seems to have it all put together in terms of schematically and right. uh, you know all that type of stuff. And and it is kind of odd. I think I said this in the in the RCT open thread that you know a week after beating Oklahoma asterisk uh, Kansas doesn't even look like a D one team against Oklahoma State the next week, and it's it's just the weirdest thing, right? Like it and like we talked about earlier, like they do this every year, once or twice a year. Um, but, but part of that again was Oklahoma state and their defense and their, their just, they were always in position to make plays. They, um, uh, forced bad plays. They, they got turnovers. They, I mean, they, they, 
did everything perfectly. They really did. And that was always going to be a tall task for Kansas in this game. Uh, I'm as disappointed as you are in that it wasn't more competitive. Um, Oklahoma State, up until this game, had not scored more than 32 points in a game this year. So they literally did something against Kansas that they hadn't done in their first seven games or however many right. games it had been. Um, so, yeah, their offense, which had been inconsistent all year, really woke up and just just – and they had a couple of short fields. But, I mean, they put points on the board and they were just relentless. And um, what was it, 38 to nothing going into halftime and Oklahoma State went ahead and put in the backups in the second quarter. I mean, it was just – it was just a – a, a remedial yeah, it was, game. It was bad. It was bad. You're yeah. Right. yeah. You know, you know, and, and, and honestly, that, that was kind of the thing. Like, yes, I, I, I did ask that question. I didn't entirely like anticipate, or I wasn't actually arguing for the fact that they should have benched me because you are absolutely right. right. Like Oklahoma state is a much, much better defense. And that was the main difference between, well, that and the fact that Kansas was at home last week. So they're definitely a little bit more comfortable, but like if, if you look at both of these games, the Kansas defense came out super fired up in this game as well. You know, they, they, they forced that, that great fourth down stop on Oklahoma State's fourth yeah. drive, first yeah, first drive. Point. And then guess yeah. what happened? Like, immediately, Kansas goes three and out and punts it. You know, then Oklahoma State came with a, a fairly good drive. But, I mean, it was, you know, it was an eight-play, 68-yard drive. So, it wasn't like they got a quick hit and, and it was, you know, they were done off of the races. The very next play, Jason Bean throws his first interception. You know, then they were able to hold Oklahoma State to a field goal. Like, you came into... It was getting pretty close, I think, to the end of – no, I'm sorry. So there was probably about five minutes left in the first quarter. Kansas was down 10 to nothing, but had gotten two pretty big stops to limit the damage. And you thought that the defense was going to be able to keep it up for a good portion of the game, and then Bean goes out and throws another interception. And at that point, it was done. Like, you could tell the defense figured, we're not going to get any help. We're going to do what we can to try to be – you know, do as much as we possibly can, but there's no way that we're going to be able to win this game because our, our offense can't even move the ball. And so it's one of those things like, yes, you would hope that they hang in there and try to give the offense more chances. But when you saw just how thoroughly dominant that Oklahoma State defense was and that it was going to be that way the entire game and it was nothing like, you know, they didn't have get any kind of success against Oklahoma State like they did against Oklahoma the week before. I can't necessarily blame the defensive players for saying, look, this is going to be a long night. Like, this is going to be rough. We're going to be out here all the time. And there's no way that we can keep this pace up for the entire game. So... It's completely understandable. The fact they were on the road definitely doesn't help. Um, the one thing, kind of like what you said, is you know this is pro- this is by far I think the best defense that they've seen all year. You could argue for Iowa State's defense, but Iowa State has shown some holes in their defense in their defensive time. They've they've had some issues. That Oklahoma State defense has been solid every single week. Um, you know, and so it's one of those things where you know this is by far the toughest assignment for Jason Bean. And he made some mistakes and Leipold immediately pulled him aside and started kind of teaching him what was going on. Um, you know, like this was a game where you knew they were going to make mistakes. The question is how much are they going to learn from it? How much better of a quarterback is Jason Bean going to be the next couple weeks? Having seen what happens here, seen what he needs to be able to start recognizing what he needs to start doing, what decisions he needs to start making. And that's really where the rest of the season is going to come into play. Are we going to see any kind of growth throughout the rest of the season? Um, looking ahead, because obviously this game coming up is the Sunflower Showdown. Kansas State completely shut down TCU last week, and I'm still kind of of the mind that while, yes, I think that Kansas State is rounding into form, Kansas State is probably a lot better than this Kansas team. Like, that's kind of an understatement. Um, There is still kind of some open questions about, you know, because the way that their 
their season has gone, they've been getting better corresponding with absolute collapses by their opponents. Texas Tech was, you know, up fairly significantly on them and completely collapsed down the stretch. Um, and Kansas State was able to take advantage. TCU was not competitive at all from the beginning, and they've had a lot of problems these last few weeks. So, there, I mean, it's legitimate to question just how good this Kansas State team is. Do you think that there's any room for Kansas to feel confident going into this game that they're going to be able to keep it competitive for all four quarters and maybe sneak out there with a win? I mean, they, they should always be confident going into games, especially considering the way they played against Oklahoma. And I'm, you can only hang your hat on that for so long, right? And right. until the losses start to pile up and, you know, you're losing by 40 and you're losing by 50. But, uh, I mean – a lot of the goodwill they built up with the fan base in that Oklahoma game evaporated in a week. Um, and they can get it right back with a good showing against K-State for sure. Uh, but that's a tough task. I mean, I, I know we say it a lot jokingly, but it, like it really is their Super Bowl, isn't it? Like, I mean, they're not going to a BCS game. They're, they're not, um, you know, they're not in the hunt for a college football playoff spot or anything like that. Like, you know, hey, yeah, they get to go to the Holiday Bowl or the Alamo Bowl or whatever. That's fun. But, like, beating Kansas is a big deal to them. And, obviously, it would be huge for us to beat them as well. You know, it's just it's been, what, 11 years, I think, maybe? 11 in a row, 12 yeah, in a row, something like it's, that. It's been way too long. <laughs> yeah. but it, So, that would obviously be huge for us if we could somehow pull that off. But I don't think you can expect that. I, I, I did not watch the K-State TCU game. I know that Kansas State had struggled defending the pass in the games leading up to that game. Um, but that's not KU's forte, right? Like, KU wants to be a run-first team. Um, so, I mean, they kind of have to adapt their offense, I think, to K-State's defense. I don't know if they're in a position to do that or not. Um, I don't have my hopes up very high for a competitive game. But, uh, I mean, you never know, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's it's also one of those things where you look at what happened last year, you know, and – and, like, last year you had Jalen Daniels throwing that unfortunate pick to kind of start off in the first quarter, and then it just – I'm sorry, that was that was in the second quarter with the pick before the complete just, uh, you know, vomiting of points that Kansas State started happening. But, um, you know, I mean, two punt returns for touchdowns. That doesn't happen very often, and I realize that that's kind of Kansas – or King, Kansas State's forte is special teams. But this Kansas team hasn't had nearly as many special teams issues as the last few iterations have. And I mean, I don't know what to chalk it up to if they just haven't really run into a team that can take advantage of them on on special teams very much. But it, it at least seems like this is not a team that is as prone to special teams gaffes as prior iterations have. And so, like, the hope is that you at least have an opportunity to keep it a lot closer in that first half when you're not giving up two punt return touchdowns. You know, and then it, as long as you know, as long as Jason Bean can go out there and play sound football, like I don't expect him to throw a pick six because. That's really not Kansas State's forte. Like their defense is usually pretty good, but it's not. It's not about you know causing turnovers. It's about it's playing sound football. You know, hitting their assignments and just making sure that the other team can't get out and get huge plays on them. Like that's that's the way that Kansas State plays defense. And so it's one of those things where, as long as Kansas doesn't do something super stupid, which being at home, I would expect them to not necessarily have as many problems with that. Like I, I do think that there's an opportunity here. I still think it's crazy to think that, you know, to expect that they're going to go in and win this game because just what we've seen. But, like, this is one that even after last week, because of the opponent that Kansas State played, this is one where I could see Kansas remaining competitive. And if they're going to pull an upset the rest of the year, you know, it's probably this one or TCU. 
And I think this one is probably the better bet for them just because of where it is and kind of where they are at in the schedule. And they haven't gotten too far past that, you know, strong showing against Oklahoma. I think really it's just about the, the, the team not buying into, you know, the, the results from last week and instead remembering what happened against Oklahoma. A fan base, we've already kind of shown as a fan base that we can be super fickle um, in terms of, you know, and, and, and it's deserved, I think, to some to some extent because of how many times we've wanted to buy in and we've looked at any positive sign as a reason to buy in completely. You know, I, I do think that this one's different. You and I have talked about it differently this year than I think in any, in any past year that we have. You know, this is one where you are cautiously, cautiously optimistic coming out of that Oklahoma game that things have finally turned the corner and that we're going to continue to get better, but that there were still going to be big bumps along the road. Um, hopefully that's what we're seeing is that Oklahoma State was a big bump on the road and then, you know, we we're going to slowly get better the rest of the year. But, Mike, anything that we should be keeping an eye on or, or that we should be looking for in this particular, like, what would you consider to be a successful game for the Jayhawks against the Wildcats this week? Uh, cover the spread. <laughs> I mean, the spreads, it opened at 23 and a half. I guess I don't know what it is now. But if they can stay within three touchdowns of K-State, like, that, that's progress, right? Like, don't lose 55 to 7. Don't lose you know, 48 to 12, like score into the twenties, you know, move the ball on offense a little bit. Um, don't give up any special teams touchdowns, like you mentioned. Um, you know, and if they lose a 35 to 21 game, like that, I mean, I, it sucks to say, but that's good. Like that's, that's progress. K-State has been just pounding us for years. What was it? Was it, well, it was the last time K-State came to Lawrence. Um, you know, the it was the first time in a decade that the spread had been less than double digits, right? And oh, then they came out oh. and they came out and beat us by four touchdowns. It was borderline embarrassing. Like that that has to stop. Like the I don't think the talent gap is that far between the two programs. I really don't. And I base that on, you know, not just my personal bias, I guess, but but just like on you look at the the historical recruiting rankings, like uh, you know, K-State is not that much more of a talented team than Kansas is. Um, it's always been coaching and player development that separated the programs. Uh, and Kansas has the coaching now, we think. Um, they haven't had much time to do much player development. But, um, you know, can, can they can they keep it within two touchdowns? Like, that? that's that, That's what I'm hoping for, quote-unquote, quote and, and I guess semi-looking for. Yeah, and, and let's not forget, you know, that Kleiman just two weeks ago, right, before the Texas Tech game, was telling the, the media that he needed their help to be more positive about his team so that they could bounce back from the struggles that they had the prior three weeks. So it's not like everything is, you know, absolutely rosy for Kansas State. They benefited from, like I said, an absolute historic collapse against Texas Tech that ended up getting Matt Wells fired, um, you know, and then... And then a, uh, a, a just a, a completely incompetent team in TCU that surprised everybody. And, you know, it's one of those things where they, they hit the exact spot on the schedule that they needed to to start improving. And Kansas has an opportunity to, you know, potentially show just how bad that, you know, schedule was for them, how fortunate Kansas State was to be able to take advantage of that if, if Kansas can keep it close. Look, I'm not even necessarily saying that Kansas has to win to be able to do that. If they can have a game like in 2018, right, where, where Kansas State went and scored on the final possession to win 21-17, you know, something like that, where you can keep it within a single score, that is a massive success for this team. That is a really good way to show that you are making the progress that you need to make to be able to get back 
to within striking distance of all the teams in the Big 12 at some point in the near future. So, And look, if they're able to do that, you know, it's really going to help them moving forward, especially with their value at, you know, our sponsor here on the podcast. That is Symbol. Symbol, the stock market uh, for sports that allows you to profit all of, uh, off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your team win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. You can join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams by going to Symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure you use your promo code CHOCK12 for a money-back guarantee. That's right. We're no longer doing the, the, the two free tickets to a game of your choice. That promotion's over. Uh, if you haven't listened already, or by the time this this comes out, it'll be Thursday over on the ten twelve podcast where they will actually have the drawing. Find out the results if you actually won if you signed up using one of the promo codes. But they are offering us now a brand new deal here. If you use that promo code as a money back guarantee, you know uh, all the listeners of our show and all the listeners here on the podcast network. That money back guarantee means even if you lose money in your first 90 days, Symbol will refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Just go to Symbol.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. Your deposit will have a money back guarantee up to $500. Join Symbol. Start investing and profiting off your favorite teams today. All right, Mike, any any final thoughts before we throw it to break? Uh, no, I I think we pretty much hit on everything. All right, perfect. Well, Mike, thanks for joining me tonight. And um, I am going to go ahead and throw it to break. We will be right back on the Rock Talk podcast. I will talk a little bit about the the firestorm that's brewing over on Twitter and just what we need to think about this team moving forward. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys. And we're back. All right. So, obviously, with the game not going the way that we expected it to, there was a lot of reactions from people on Twitter. Um, you know, a lot of people that just last week talking about how great it was and bracing themselves for, you know, the, the, the huge letdown after that Oklahoma game saying, hey, see, look, this is exactly what we expected. Like, Kansas isn't fixed at all. There's nothing going on. And, 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 and look, we never, I never made the statement that that Oklahoma game, Kansas was fixed. We actually talked last week about this, that, you know, what that Oklahoma game was, was not a sign that things were only going to go up from there. It was a sign that there is the potential that things are starting to to sink in, that people are starting to understand what they need to do. That they're starting to get things turned around. It's a long process. We all are aware of that. We all were talking about before the season began, after Leipold got hired, you know, that, that it's going to take a while. In fact, I went ahead and grabbed a flashback from one of my previous episodes right after this happened. Um, you know, this is the expectation for Lance Leipold. Take a listen. I'm not expecting it to happen in the next year or two, but give him time to rebuild the program. Give him, you know, starting in like year four, I think it's completely reasonable to be expecting that they're going to be getting two to three or, you know, even three or four big 12 wins a year competing for bowl games, that kind of stuff. I think those are reasonable expectations. And given what he's been able to do at Buffalo, I think that it's completely realistic to actually see that happen. So, I mean, really, you know, <laughs> I said there year four, Right is where we're talking about winning two or three bowl games. I'm sorry, two, wow, bowl games, two or three conference games a year. Like that is a while 
it, it means that there's a lot that has to happen. The expectation this year was not that we were going to win three or four games, right? The expectation was that we were going to be competitive in some. We were still going to get blown out by the really, really good teams. That we were going to be competitive in some. We were going to show that they were developing. You know, that we were going to we were going to see some improvement. And so that's the expectation we all should, we all should be going in with. I, I said earlier, you know, be upset about what you're seeing on the field. That's absolutely fine. But don't let that turn into this defeatist attitude that this is never going to change, that Lance Leipold is just like every single other coach that we had. He's absolutely not. Look, Turner Gill, Turner Gill was in over his head coming from Buffalo, um, not really up to, to what it was that Kansas needed. And I think a lot of that had to do with the AD. Again, we, we talked about this, right? Lou Perkins um, was not the right AD for a guy like Turner Gill, especially coming off of a coach like Mark Mangino. And so, yes. Um, Turner Gill was an absolute disaster here. That was not entirely his own fault, but it, you know that, that that happened. They then pivoted. The AD took a hard left, went over to Charlie Weiss, and that was something that was never going to happen. You know, the idea was, hey, Charlie Weiss, big name, can bring in recruits. We're not that far from the Mangino success years. Like, let's let's get it turned around. And yes, we've got some quirks to deal with. We've got some some things we wish we didn't have to deal with. But but guess what, Charlie Weiss was an absolute disaster. But again, like the thought process was okay, but the wrong guy to do that with, you know, if you had been able to bring in a guy like Les Miles, um, you know, at that time point, and, and I'm not saying Les Miles specifically at that point, but a, a guy like that, right. A guy that was going to bring in big name recruits that had shown at least some competency um, that wasn't on the last leg of his career and just trying to collect a paycheck. Then that theoretically could have worked out. But I at least understand the thought process. But yes, I mean, that was completely different. That is not what Lance Leipold is at this point. This is not a guy that's at the end of his career that hasn't had a lot of success recently, but is a big enough name he can bring in a bunch of recruits. This is a guy that works hard in Lance Leipold, does what has to be done, um, you know, and, and is really good at building programs. So a com- completely different. Then, then you go to David Beatty. David Beatty, the expectation was, you know, after Charlie Weiss left. And again, these are all things we've talked about on the podcast before, but, but, but here's your primer. Um, David Beatty was... After Charlie Weiss left, they were down to roughly 35 scholarship players. So David Beatty's entire charge was come in, rebuild the roster. If you start to win in years four and five, hey, that's great. Maybe you'll get an extension then. The problem that we had was the end of year two, we got that upset win against Texas, which was a huge fluke. Texas had six turnovers in that game that Kansas benefited from. And Kansas still only won on a last second field goal in overtime. Like, this is one of those things where Kansas lucked out entirely and the fan base that was so ready to buy back in overreacted. The fan base did. I did. You know, the administration did. Shane Zinger used that as an opportunity to give David Beatty an extension. And then David Beatty immediately felt the pressure of that. Hey, he's got the extension. Everyone's expecting this to be so much better now. Like, it has to be better immediately. Let's go out and get a bunch of junior college guys so that we can try to compete. He was, again, another coach that was in over his head that got outside of what it was he was brought in to do. That's, you know, and that was the problem with David Beatty. We all bought in um, because naively we thought, hey, it's got to get better if you can beat Texas, right? Not realizing just how much of a train wreck Texas was at that point. Um, you know, so completely different situation. And then you go to Les Miles. You know, again, we can talk about Jeff Long, all the issues that he had, but 
really, Les Miles actually came in and did what he was supposed to do. Again, if you remember the conversations we had when Les Miles was hired, it was not Les Miles is going to come in and he's magically going to fix it. And in year two, we're going to be going to a bowl game. It was Les Miles, come in, use your big name, get people excited about the program again, get recruits in. You're going to deal with some hard years. You know, year two and three are going to be especially painful as you're switching to a brand new system. You're playing a whole bunch of freshmen. You're trying to get everything developed. He got to year two. He had a lot of talented guys on the roster. Look, if Les Miles doesn't leave the way that he leaves, you probably keep a guy like Marcus Harris, DeJon Terry, and Cron Prunty. And then this defense looks a whole lot better this year, you know, with Les Miles. And again, I'm not saying that they would have won because there's still offensive issues to worry about. But you would have continued to see them build on that foundation in a way that you don't have to or that you can't when you're completely changing systems, right? So Les Miles, though, did what he was supposed to do. Like the expectation there was that in years four and five was when he was going to be competing for a bowl game. We're basically in year three of the Les Miles era, if you want to consider it that. So this was never supposed to be a year where they were supposed to be super competitive and having an opportunity to go to a bowl game. And then you throw a coaching change, you know, in April into the mix after all the spring practices have already finished. Um, you know, so, so, so that gets into where, like, that's the, the level set of where we are at this point. Expecting Lance Leipold to come in and everything to magically be better is just unrealistic. And so this was a tweet that I sent out um, on Saturday night. You know, the, you know what sucks more than KU football this weekend? It's people who think this is how it's always going to be because Leipold and his staff aren't fixing it fast enough. Look, the, there was never an expectation he was going to be able to fix it in six months from when he got hired. He didn't even get a chance to be on the field with his or with his players until August. So if you think about it, we're, we've got three months of him working with all of the players on the roster. That is nowhere near enough time to fix all of the issues that we were talking about. You know, there was there was discipline issues. There was scheme issues. There was all kinds of things we were talking about that we didn't like what Les Miles was doing. But you can't expect Leipold to come in and fix those immediately. And, and you know, as you as you can imagine, this was. You know, I, I was definitely subtweeting certain individuals who were going absolutely ballistic on Twitter on Saturday night. Um, and, and I got a few responses from some people, um, you know, and, and really it, th- there was a lot more supportive responses than critical. But, you know, I do want to talk about a couple of these critical ones because, look, you know, you've, you've been through this song and dance five times and nothing has changed. Just give up. You know, that is from some random guy. Like literally Joe Random is his, is his uh, display name. So. Uh, you know, like I said, I just went through, and that was the main reason I went through all the prior coaches, because you look at what those situations were, they're nothing like with Leipold. And yes, they all miserably failed, but, you know, there were warning signs if you paid attention to him with Jeff Long, um, you know, and what he brought in with Les Miles. There were warning signs when, you know, a guy like Charlie Weiss was brought in. Like, there were warning signs for each of these individual coaches. This was a very thorough, thought-out process. Travis Goff was the slam dunk athletic director hire. Lance Leipold was one of two slam dunk potential options for head coach. And like, look, if, if we get to the end of next year and there's absolutely no improvement at all, we don't see any improvement from guys on the field. We don't see potentially a couple of non-conference wins. Like we don't see anything at all that makes us think this is getting any better. Then I'll be the first to say, Hey, look, I was wrong. Like this shouldn't be this bad, but we are going to have blowout losses next year. This is the way it is. We're going to have blowout losses the rest of this year. In fact, this game against Kansas State potentially could be 
a blowout loss. And, and, and we'll talk, we actually have someone coming on that I'm really excited about later this week to talk about that Kansas State game, to kind of talk about what's going on there. But, but look, it is very, very possible that we're still going to have a couple blowout losses this year. That does not mean that things are not getting better or that they're never going to get better. Um, you know, an- another response, uh, this is from RB underscore coach underscore KJ. And again, I, I don't want you guys to go over and blow these guys up. That's not what I'm asking for you at all. But I do want you guys to understand that we do have KU Jayhawk fans who claim to be fans who are expecting us to lose forever. Um, you know, he says, Gil, Weiss, Beatty, Miles, Leipold. It doesn't matter who the head coach is. KU football is going to continue to suck and be a coach career killer. And my response to this was not very pleasant. I, I, I agree. I was, I was upset. Um, because this is the exact problem that we're dealing with, that the the athletic department is dealing with, that they are doing everything that they possibly can, especially now, to get this turned around. And if you have a bunch of fans who think like this, then it doesn't matter what they do. Until you win a bowl game, or until you get back to a bowl game, you're going to have fans like this that are continually detracting from the department and contracting or detracting from the football team and actively trying to convince people that they shouldn't pay attention, that they shouldn't enjoy the, 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 the victories that they do have, whether that's actual wins on the field or other victories of signs of improvement. Um, look, this is, this is absolutely the wrong environment or the wrong attitude to have here. Yes, it sucks. I hate seeing them get blown out like this. I absolutely hate what we're seeing on the field half the time. But when you have a talent disparity that's that wide, when you have a preparation disparity disparity that's that wide, and I'm not talking about like a single game week preparation. I'm talking about the inherent program preparation that you have for a Mike Gundy staff that has been there at Oklahoma State forever, is having one of his best years, has one of the most talented defenses in the entire nation right now against a Kansas you know staff that has basically three months on the job getting all these guys put together that are still trying to figure out what all the strengths are of all the guys that they have because they don't have a lot of really good tape based off of the way that Les Miles used these, these players last couple of years. So they are still trying to get things figured out. These things are going to happen. The Oklahoma game, I still submit, is a very, very good sign that things are coming together. And yes, you can talk about how bad Oklahoma played, whether they're actually you know, as good of a team as people seem to think that they are. But really what this comes down to is that we are seeing signs that this is getting better. It's just going to take a while. You know, there, There's a few of these here. At Clay Porter Field, seriously, the guy just celebrated six months of being in Lawrence. Breathe. Like, yes, exactly. That's the point that I was trying to make. You know, he's been here for six months. He's been on the field. Uh, you know, and actually, this came from someone else. Uh, let me see. Yeah. Uh, at, at Give me the whoopee. Uh, TJE. You know, he says, I can't think of another time when a coach was hired after spring practice and didn't see on his guys on the field until August. It's a unique situation and a big job. And I completely agree with that. Like, this is a unique situation. This is something that we will not see again for a really, really long time. And, you know, who knows how this is going to flush out or how long it's going to take to get it fixed, but it's going to get there. It's just a matter of time. Um, you know, th- there was, there was a few other, a few other thoughts here that I kind of wanted to highlight um, at M Zupon 29. Uh, you know, he says, I think it's always, it's always going to be this way because coaches either do poorly for three years and get fired before their first recruiting class graduates or they do well and move on to a higher profile job. I don't actually agree that that last one is necessarily as bad. You know, if you have a coach that comes in and does really well and moves on to a higher profile job, that means that your program is left in a better spot. 
and then they're going to be able to hire a better coach the next time. They're going to already be bringing in additional recruits. And as long as, you know, the coach that leaves doesn't take his entire recruiting class with him, the program's going to get better. It's going to take some time. The expectation at this point is not that Kansas, Kansas is not a destination job at this point, and I don't know that it ever will be a destination job, but you will find a guy who wants to be here that eventually will be like a Kansas, a Kansas version of Bill Snyder, a guy that comes in fairly early in his career, wants to be here for a long time, has enough success to stick around to actually do things that will make Kansas a successful program. It's just a matter of finding the guy, getting to the point where this program is thought well enough of and, and it's stable enough that he can stick around long enough to do that. Um, you know, at J. Brent Clark talking about nobody remembers KU being good in football. I saw Gail Sarris play a Norman. He was fabulous, but KU still lost. Kansas has been good in football. They won the Orange Bowl with, un, under Mark Mangino. So this is a program that has had success, that if you find the right guy and you get the resources buying in, that it can't happen. So, look, I, I'm, I could go through all the rest of these, but they're basically all the same thing, talking about, oh, you know, I'm sorry, hold on. At Vintage Lids KC, Lance has fire and passion, both things that his predecessors lacked, and the response from at Big Chief D, uh, he also has a plan and won't bail on it after one year. Like, that is a big thing from Leipold that gives you a lot of success. He's been preaching consistency. He's been talking about that. You know, the, the game against Oklahoma, you didn't see everybody talk about how great of a thing that was inside the program. You had fans talking about, you know, like, like myself, talking about how this was a great sign. This is a positive sign. This means that things are starting to get better. But, you know, the very first thing that Leipold said was, there are no moral victories. We're not taking any kind of victory out of this. And that's the attitude that they have to have. They have to continue to work. They have to continue to get better. So, look, it's going to get better. It's just a matter of time. I'm not really sure how long it's going to take or when exactly we're going to see the benefits from it, but it is coming. It's just, again, it's just a matter of time. We have to be patient, and I know it sucks to be told to be patient, but we all knew this going in. We were all talking about this before the year even started. And, you know, the just because we get into the season and all of a sudden the results are coming back, the results we fully expected were going to be coming back are coming back the way that we expected them to. Yes, it sucks. But it was com- entirely expected. There is no reason to think any differently now than we thought when Leipold got hired. If you can honestly look me straight in the face and tell me that when Lance Leipold got hired, you expected him to get four wins, to never get blown out, to be able to go on the road to a place like Stillwater, Oklahoma, and be able to keep it within four touchdowns, and you and you and that was your honest expectation, then I don't know, I would have called you delusional. And I think every single KU fan would have called you delusional at that point. Look, this is this is not the time to be swinging back and forth wildly, you know, being a bipolar KU fan, expecting really great things, and then being ready to jump off the fandom cliff at, you know, immediately after the one result goes your way that is nowhere near as good. And yes, I understand, you know, Texas Tech was a horrible loss at home, homecoming. But then you follow that up with positive signs. Like, again, if, if, that, if that had been the game against Oklahoma that we had against Oklahoma State and a game against Texas Tech, they'd be like, okay, they're not getting any better at this point. It's going to be a rough rest of the season. But we saw enough from Oklahoma to think that now we can, we can reasonably expect there to be some signs moving forward. So it's really, really now just a matter of when is it going to happen? When are they going to get better? When are we going to start to really see the positive signs and see them actually get another win? It's still possible they could get that this year. Look, TCU is is having real, real problems. Um, that's definitely a possibility for Kansas. Um, you know, Kansas State, you know, just a reminder, 
two weeks ago, and I think I was just talking about this with Mike, two weeks ago, Chris Kleiman was asking the media to be positive, to talk more positively about his school and his players because they needed help getting out of the funk that they were in. That's not the sign of a program that's absolutely phenomenal. You know, they benefited from some really, really bad play by their opponents to be able to get the last two wins. So, you know, there is definitely opportunities here. There's definitely things to be excited about. You know, one other thing you can be excited about, it is the holiday season coming up. Uh, and the sponsor that we have here on the podcast is Gridiron Metalworks. Gridiron Metalworks, where you can find high-quality home metal goods for the college super fan in your life, whether that's you or someone else. Find collegiate-branded grill-grade griddles or any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers. All are in actual school colors, not just the, oh, it's so, super close colors that other manufacturers use. You know, I have the, the, the desk plaque, the Jayhawk head with the with the Kansas to the side. I've got the bookends. I've got my sign that I had them make, which is still absolutely phenomenal. I love that thing. I will be getting grill great as soon as I get a grill. Um, but, you know, we are at the holiday season. It is time to get your orders in quickly because it's going to be busy this holiday season. Obviously, with everything going on in the world, it's a lot harder to get the supplies you need. So if you want to make sure you have it in time for Christmas, start thinking about it now. Okay, um, I can guarantee as you go in, you're going to find something for the college fan in your life that they do not have. Like these are these are super great, high quality items that everybody is going to love. And you're going to find something, you know, a, a, a gift for someone that, you know, that they don't already have. You don't have to worry about that. So just go to gridironmetal.com. Uh, use promo code chalk 12. You can get 15% off your entire first order, no matter how much that is, whether it's just for you or if you're just getting a gift for someone else, I would recommend though, take a look around. You're going to find a bunch of stuff that you like a lot of stuff that you want. Um, so if you're not getting it, or if you want to give people ideas of what to get you for Christmas, go there. I can guarantee you're going to find stuff. Uh, but everything at gridiron metal is high quality made in the USA and they continue to add new products all the time for all the schools that they have. So just, uh, Again, go over to gridironmetal.com, use promo code CHOCK12, you have 15% off your entire first order, and all orders right now get free shipping, doesn't matter how much you get, but I, you know, it used to be $100 or more to get free shipping, now everything is free shipping, but let me tell you, there are so much great stuff there, if you're going to get a grill grate, you're going to want, you know, the the chimney fire starter, you're going to want the spatula, you're going to want all the great accessories to go with it as well, so it's fantastic. Head on over to Gridiron Metal, use promo code CHOCK12, get 15% off your entire first order. All right, guys, that's it. That's what I have for you today. Look, it's it's an uncomfortable conversation to have. Um, I, I understand that there's a lot of highly charged uh, emotions right now surrounding this school. So hopefully we can go out there. We can have a great game against Kansas State, whether we win or not. Keep it competitive. Keep it close. Again, like, like I said, we have a, a fantastic guest coming on later this week. I'm not going to tell you who it is because I don't want to jinx it at this point. Um, but we will be talking about this Kansas State game coming up. I believe the episode is going to drop on Thursday. Uh, it might be dropping Friday, early Friday morning, but at the latest, it'll be Friday. So um, be looking for that. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks, Mike, to, to, for, for joining me earlier on this episode. But uh, if you guys haven't already, please do go out where, wherever you get your podcasts, where's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the million apps that are out there. Just for, search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every single episode as soon as it comes out. Uh, we really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in, in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. If you guys can leave a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be great. But, you know, I really do want your guys... Um, your guys' thoughts on the podcast. I am trying to get 20 five-star reviews before the end of the year. Uh, if you do leave me a review, I will go ahead and read it out here on the podcast. Um, like, you know, it's, it's, it's high time for me to keep pushing the podcast, get people to, to rate and review. So that way we can actually get seen by other people and 
you know, we can share this great information with, with additional people. We are on the 1012 network as well. So if you can go over, uh, find all the great shows covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, if, if you go over to at 1012 Network on Twitter, you can find links to all the great shows that we have there. There's some really fantastic ones. Even if you're not fans of those schools, they have, we're putting out great content to get you really knowledgeable about the rest of the teams we have in here in the Big 12 as well. But um, go ahead and visit our sponsor, Symbol and Gridiron. Use promo code CHOCK12. Get great deals over there. Uh, but uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Are you a Big 12 basketball obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your Big 12 basketball information? Look no further because Midwest Madness is here just for you. We talk men's and women's basketball all year long with exclusive interviews, guests that come on to talk about each team, game recaps once the season begins, and so much more content you won't know what to deal with. So for all of your Big 12 basketball needs, Midwest Madness is your place to go. Listen on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Big tween tube. Okay. Uh, Evan, Evan's going to go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan Haybear. Uh, Sick'em Bears. Podcast Network.